why we're here, right? Okay. So hi, everybody. Welcome to the Chronically Ill podcast, where we cover all things illness and all things chronic as we navigate the weird world of medicating with cannabis for a chronically ill lifestyle. I'm your host, Angelina Rose, aka Thriftalina, your green godmother. And as a Crohn's patient and a cannabis consultant, I've been on my own healing journey with cannabis, and I look forward to sharing my experiences with you guys and my guests. And my guest today is Rebecca Abraham of AcuteChronic.com, and I am so excited to talk to you today. Um, And you are a cannabis nurse. Yes, I am. This is like so important. I wish you were like my personal cannabis nurse. So I feel like now this is, this is now, now basically I'm your patient basically. Is the, sure. Is what we're yeah. going to be doing now. Okay. <laughs> That's next, perfect. For the next 40 minutes, we're just going to act like I'm your patient. And no, it's yes. okay. <laughs> so firstly, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and you're out of, uh, first of all, tell me where you're based out of what you do and maybe a little bit of how you started your cannabis and wellness journey. Yeah. So I'm Rebecca Abraham. I own and have founded Acute on Chronic, one of the first cannabis clinics uh, and nursing guidance clinics in the Midwest. Um, We were the first in Illinois, which is pretty cool. uh, And in like a four state ratio. Um, So that's always fun to be kind of a pioneer. Also terrifying. So it's not... OG in the house. Exactly. It's not. Oh, it's not speaking of, fearful. I'm gonna hit this OG code. Yes, actually. absolutely. In, in honor of that, go ahead as you finish. Yes, and I actually um and drinking in in my coffee, um CBG and CB. Uh, CBD, um, which just had a new study. I am recovering from a pretty bad bout of COVID, but um, since that study, I always say, you know, CBD and CBG, do we have enough research to like firmly say anything? Not yet. Can it hurt you? Probably not, but that's why I started exploring CBG. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. We got to fully flesh out like the main cannabinoids for people first before we get it like that into the fancy we we all I think I get confused now I'm like I've got to make flashcards at this point oh that's a really good idea yes so um how did I anybody (laughs) I would love to so how did I get to like this very strange pioneery place so what did I do before um so yes I'm a real nurse um when I say real nurse I'm a registered nurse I have been for yikes um 13, I think it might even be 14 years at this point. Um, I worked mostly in academic medical centers. I was a critical care nurse. So what's a critical care nurse? Um, If you are one of the sickest people in the hospital, um, I would have been your nurse. So we take care of people who um, are very much on the edge of life or death. Um, I dealt with a lot of death, a lot of hospice. Um, We have to be kind of deep extra trained as nurses, you know, we have to know a lot about the human body that your floor nurse doesn't have to know. Not that, and that's no disrespect floor nurses. Floor nurses are smart as heck. They know a ton of stuff, but nurses are very centralized in what we know. So what's different about the ICU nurse that makes you a good cannabis nurse? Um, ICU nurses are pretty independent. We do work um, within a pretty large scope of our license. So in the ICU, 
if you are a very sick patient, the doctors come. If you are sick, they put you on drips, but here's where nurses in the ICU are special. The doctor then says, okay, nurse, you are going to decide the dose of these medications based on education and reassessment. And then they disappear for the night. And then it's been at there, the Yep. Yep. Been there on the drip yep. waiting for the same person to come back. It's not the same person. Yes. Yeah. So your nurse in the ICU is the one controlling how much or how little medication you're on, what drips you're on at a certain time. And we are using protocols set by the doctors, but overall we're kind of on our own. <laughs> um, ICU nurses can so run. When, so a lot of it is learning just like on the floor, boots on the ground style. And then the rest of it is like, let me gain the knowledge that I feel I need to add to this to make myself better. Yes. So um, that was my career. Um, I also did advocacy and policy work in Illinois regarding medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. Um, we pushed for it, gosh, since 2015, 2016. So big into like politics, grassroots movements. Um, and then I didn't know what I wanted to do next with my career. Um, I already kind of mastered critical care nursing. I had the certifications. I won awards, blah, 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 blah. I loved so were what you I did. already a cannabis user, like during your entire time of nursing. So you were just like, I puff, this is my life, but then I work in the medical field where I just, this is not like, I don't, yeah. So what was really scary about that? Yes. So I also, uh, I'm not just a nurse. I'm also a patient. Um, I have chronic migraines. A, I got into a car accident at 14, whacked to the front of the windshield. Um, also a family oh history of anxiety. Um, I do not like drinking alcohol, never really have. Um, it's no good for a career in nursing too, because you wake up, you know, alcohol is perfectly legal. That sounds like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Nurse. Yeah. I mean, I'm but, sure the cigarette smells bad enough on a lot of nurses. <laughs> and it, it happened. So I hated drinking. Um, I wanted to control symptoms. So uh, being a nurse and a cannabis user prior to legalization is horrifying because, um, you know, you read about the safety profile, you know, it's relatively safe, but you also know that this is a huge risk. Um, I knew at any time if something happened that even wasn't my fault. So let's say I went to a concert um, on a three week period that I had off on vacation and I came back to work right. and something went wrong with one of my coworkers. If mm -hmm. something went missing, I knew that I was risking everything. If I got asked to take a random drug test and that is not a position that I wanted to be in. I love my nursing license. Like, uh, top five things I love. My nursing license is, is probably top of, like with my family. Yeah. Um, I love nursing. I love what I do. I care deeply about the profession. And so I definitely did not want to lose that. This caused me stress. I also saw my patients experiencing the very same things. Um, what's great about nursing is you see every fear. It's like a fear. It's like you always, fear. it's not like where, you know, even when you do like an intake form in a doctor's office, they, they say like, you know, do you have alcohol? And if you check that off, you know, yep. they're going to be like, fine with it. But then when you check off the drugs, if you're thinking cannabis is a drug considered like that, then you're like, well, now they're going to hold it against me. You're going to ask me questions that are going to put yeah. me in a position where they're already biased about certain situations because of that. So then you have to lie and then you have yeah. to like live in fear 
or, or like think about, uh, is this nurse cool or is this doctor or nurse cool enough? Like, can I broach the subject with them? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so mostly I was consuming, you know, in legal places, Colorado, California, Washington, and only on vacation and only mm -hmm. when I had enough time to like. Oh, you're so disciplined. <laughs> it, it wow. Was, yeah. Um, but I saw other people suffering, you know, so, you know, in ICU care, you take care of folks who are homeless and you take care of millionaires and billionaires right. um, and across careers, people had the same issue. And it was sad and hard to see because um, it, it just shouldn't be that way. Um, so I, I've always I mean, been it's, interested it's in this. It's awful. Yeah. Um, so I came upon a certification and talked to physicians and realized that there's nobody to really teach patients about cannabis, how to use it, how to use it safely. There's just a lot of science that the cannabis industry doesn't necessarily tell people. For example, one of the biggest things that cannabis users should know, both new users and old users, is cannabis, even CBD, even your Trader Joe's hemp-based CBD, if it's a quality mm -hmm. product and has real CBD in it, right. can interact with over a hundred medications. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. Um, and in a big way, for example, and very common medication. So if you are on blood pressure medicine, um, cannabis works in a synergistic way, but also if you're using a lot of CBD and you're on very high doses of blood pressure medicine, this could drop your blood pressure, right. um, to a point where you could fall and hit your head. Um, now the benefit of that is when you're working with a cannabis nurse, we could collaborate with your physician and say, Hey, this patient's using CBD. Did you know it interacts? They typically don't. But right. then once you get that message across, the doctor's like, Oh, thank you for letting me know. Thank you for letting me know there's an interaction. And then when they see their patient's blood pressure coming down, the physician or nurse practitioner can start weaning them from medications. I have multiple clients that have been completely weaned off blood pressure medicine or had it decreased to an amount yeah. where they're not having symptoms anymore. More. And that's um, the ideal. Now, I I do find it interesting, like something you you touched on there, where it's like you were in a position where you had the. We grew up in a time where you were working when this was completely taboo, and now you're literally like the bridge. You're building the bridge. You're like physically building the bridge to transition, and you're the one that's. You know, so it's almost like, like back to the future, you know, because yes. years ago, you couldn't mention any of this. Whereas now you're saying, I'm on a podcast, with physicians, <laughs> yes. you're on a podcast. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, you're officially, you, you can be called calling yourself a cannabis nurse. Like that in and of itself is a totally new idea. And how did that, you know, how do, how does that work when you explain it to some of the people that maybe still have that like old school mentality, even just the, your, your peers within, you know, the people you work with and yeah. your clients and patients. So what's really cool is a question I get asked often is how accepting is the nursing industry and the medical industry to what you're doing? And I, it's often assumed that I get a bunch of pushback. Um, what's interesting is no, I actually don't. Um, I do get some, like, I would say like 
10 to 15 percent what's the pushback like though I'm I'm terrifying like so what what are they like say like what do they even try to say at this point that's my like um (laughs) so what's cool is most physicians are like yes I've read the research um thank you for working with my patient it's nice that you're collaborating they seem to like want to learn at least if they're open to it so far more physicians than not are already open to it. And if they're not, if they're like on the fence, they are willing to listen. And I will say typically they do come to acceptance and support once they get educated. Um, And what's nice about being a nurse and married to a physician is I know how to speak the language. Um, Half of medicine is knowing how to talk, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, even though most nurses don't have to do this, I also beefed up on like how to read a research study and how to like regurgitate it back in plain speaking. But then Mm -hmm. I could flip the, I could like code switch and speak science to physicians. Pro tip. (laughs) <laughs> so that's been really helpful when I could but review no, the research. One. Um, I, I do because I get in yeah. arguments with, I mean, I've gotten in arguments with doctors, maybe not even necessarily about cannabis, but about protocols that they're suggesting where like you're saying maybe I've read a study I get it I'm you know I'm not a nurse you're a nurse but I'm you know just a simpleton certifying myself as a consultant so that I can work more directly with people like you and I want to learn as well but they don't even understand that some people really do want to learn about their disease and make it better or their chronic illness like like I don't necessarily just want to live with Crohn's and then have get a shot every you know do a shot every two weeks and then maybe it'll work or maybe it'll stop working someday like let's try to find something real and so then you go in there and you're like well look I've read about you know how cannabis specifically helps Crohn's or this or that and like how can we and they and you either get like stonewalled or you just get forced the you know prescription option yeah And so that's kind of the stigma we're trying to break. And what I strive to do is when I talk to physicians is, you know, I show them what the research says and I say, here are the benefits. And what I highlight is how much the safety has been looked at and how Mm -hmm. this is a really safe substance. Are there side effects? Yes. Um, Can there be poor outcomes if done wrong? Yes, but is it safer if we put it up against Tylenol, ibuprofen, all of these things that are considered very safe has equal, if not less of a safety profile so far that we know of with cannabis. And um, one of my favorite things to compare to is is NSAIDs. So what's an NSAID is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. So that'd be like your ibuprofen, your Advil. Motrin, uh, ibuprofen, Motrin, naproxen, that class of drugs. Right. Okay. If you have ever had pain, chronic pain, a chronic inflammatory illness, you have been put on this. What's yes, the difference? I, there was a time when I probably would take uh, like 
I mean, so many ibuprofen, just all day long, just I'm taking them all day long. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was, I mean, it just is like crazy at that point. You're like, I mean, I get like you in your mind, you're like, I know if I don't take it, I'm going to feel like crap, but this feels like, why am I taking so many pills all day? You know, yeah. at that point you've got to even just, even a normal person is like, this is a, a lot of freaking pills, you know? And when you look at ibuprofen, is it relatively safe? Yeah. It wouldn't be over the counter if it wasn't. But long-term use and even short-term use does come with side effects. GI bleeding, so GI, gastrointestinal, belly bleeding. If you don't eat with it, if you take too much, it could burn a hole through your stomach, your yeah. intestines. That is not good. Um, and, then have, and then just to caveat that, I have a Crohn's disease or an IBD and I can't even take it at all anymore. So right. it's amazing that I even took it when I was taking it and it was prescribed to me so that, you know, I had to even have a choice. in the matter. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And it is prescribed to a lot of people. Uh, the second side effect is if you use it long-term, you could get kidney damage. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, have a high risk for kidney damage, if you have a family history for kidney damage, if you've had any other injur- injury, if you're on dialysis, if you're close to dialysis and you want to avoid it, these aren't going to be the class of drugs that is for you. Um, One of our consultants that call sends people to us is kidney doctors. And the reason is, is when people are going towards that road of maybe needing dialysis, they want to avoid it at all costs. And NSAIDs don't help your kidneys, but you can't just take people's pain medicine away. So yeah, that's what I was, I was actually just going to say something happened. I mean, just, I mean, I know you can't, you know, you're not, you're not able to give us like super specific, but like, so if people are, when they come to you or they're referred to you like that and they have an interest, like, but they know that they can't fully cut those other meds off. Like how, how, how do you start to incorporate that? Or what would be maybe even if people were interested, what, what would they sort of start to look up or try to get information about from a consultant that they can find or, yeah. or you when they go to your website acutechronic.com acute on acutechronic.com yes don't worry um if you google those words you'll still you'll still hit me Good. <laughs> um yeah um so i do love working with doctors Um, I think that provides folks really good care. And I know that could be scary, especially in these like middle of the road states, but no, because of HIPAA, um, Mm. I can only tell your doctor with explicit permission. And in my work, we don't talk about it with anybody else. So even when I have clients here in Chicago, um, if I'm out and about in ICU, I say nothing. Yeah. Um, if the person says hi to me, I'm hi. I I don't say anything. I just wave. If they want to say what our relationship is, I follow their lead. Um, But we are a dead end. And then with your physician, we only talk to them if you allow us to. But then should you allow us to? I always tell people like, do not worry about anything happening to you legally or your job, nothing. Because your physician, your nurse, your nurse practitioner has a legal obligation to keep everything you tell them um, quiet. So um, I always encourage like, please let us talk to your doctor because what we do is, so how do we do our work is a question. Yeah, that's an important step. I mean, that, that's what people ultimately need. You know, I, I, people do consult with me, but I'd be referring them to you. Do you know what I mean? Like you're the person in the medical field that, you know, has the nursing 
so you you're the one that's going to be able to incorporate that very much more specifically like I you know I like to give you know I do what I do yeah and then I give the broad but I I like to know you know because I find too it is very specific to each person and client and patient but at the same time even when it's uh, about like taking somebody with an old mindset about the medical way of taking pills or maybe the old mindset about what does cannabis use mean or what does that make of me or how's that going to affect my job like how do you broach that with your with your new you know patients yeah I tell them all of this, um, especially with my older clients, the over 50, over 60 set. Um, I essentially teach the history. So why is cannabis illegal? For no good reason. Like two rich guys wanted to become more rich is the reason we have prohibition. Mm-hmm. Mix in some social things, you know, jazz musicians were sparking, yeah. you know, much needed social unrest yeah that was um and that got looped I, in just, and... I need to just tell you that's so funny that you mentioned that because during the New York um when they had the day the day that cannabis became legal in New York that yeah. is what the uh chairwoman she said uh I I put it in the in my quotes that day that was like my quote to be like yay but she was like We've never stopped listening to jazz music. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And the reason why cannabis continued to be illegal is that same reason. In 1970, Nixon was given a report from his own team that said cannabis is safe. It should not be a schedule Mm -hmm. one. And he is on record saying, well, why would we remove it? it gives us a reason to lock up hippies and non-white people. Like, so that is the reason is people who were pushing for social change are also the same people using cannabis. And that is still happening. It uh, is. And you know what? I don't think a lot of people even realize that in these states where cannabis is becoming legal, that is the reason. That is more so the reason than what we're talking about where it's health it is more of a social issue than people really think. And then, then it trickles down into a health issue really, because now you see that the pharmaceutical companies have taken over and now cannabis is in here, like fighting to get back up in there. When it used to be, they used to be in cahoots and then the medicine in your medicine cabinet would have like a little bit of both in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a different time, but yeah, doctors use this all the time prior to 1937. So that's the first thing I tell people is the stigma is going away. And that's why I do what I do is because when we prove legitimate symptom control and legitimate use, it's hard to keep it illegal. Cause what is schedule one is no therapeutic use, but that is nonsense because there are two FDA approved patents that have been approved one since the Mm. mid nineties. Marinol has been FDA approved and it's the same thing that's in plant cannabis has been approved since the mid nineties for use. The second thing is there is, ah, I'm going to get it wrong. There's a CBD based substance. I believe it's Sativex. There's also Epidiolex. One is in Europe, one is here. There's another FDA patent on CBD. Now, how mm-hmm. can something be a Schedule One when there are two FDA-approved patents? Right. Um, I 
think it's very interesting and suspicious. So cannabis across the country in a bipartisan way, which Americans, I often joke, we can't agree on anything, right? Like nothing, like we don't even agree on the right type of music, what car we should drive. Americans have nothing in common. Coke or Pepsi, we can't, we've never been able to, we we never will. Nothing, yeah. Cannabis has a 94% approval rating. Yes. Uh, So why would this be politically scary? I think it's also because even people who may not partake in cannabis, they know that the people that they know that partake in it are fine. They're like, yeah, my stoner friend is the coolest person I know. Like, they're good. Let them them smoke, you know? And now we have numbers and I often tell people they're like, oh, they kind of expect my clients and patient to be like a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I do not have one sort of kind of like character profile on who my clients or patients are. Um, I see everybody from across the political spectrum, across the country, um, Mm -hmm. everyone from, you know, your, you know, factory worker to your physician, your lawyers, your billionaires, um, across all socioeconomic, all gender, you know, everyone uses cannabis, likes cannabis as a symptom controlling substance. Um, So I think this is the way we push forward. And so I I go on this diatribe. So if we have this huge approval rating, where are the politicians? Like, it seems like a slam dunk across the board, right? Like, it's an easy way. They're very slow. We just, I think last week, now, doctors can finally talk about it with us here in New York. Yep. So now they can finally refer people to you, to people like yes. you, which is like, okay, it took this long. Like this. We, we couldn't even talk about it. Yes. Like I would, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know what, that's what, you know, changed my life too, is when my, you know, primary care physician, you know, <clears throat> you know, she kind of was like, wink, wink, if it works for you. But then as I would go, you know, over like a year, maybe a year later, she was like, you know what, you know, yeah, just cannabis, sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like she, she didn't like say like, let me personally prescribe it, or I can personally suggest it, but you know what I mean? Like you, you start to realize certain people in the medical community, even after your next visits, you start to go and you're like, okay, all right, finally. And then you start to get more comfortable and then we can get to somebody like you. But like I said, I do, I am still interested, like where, like when people want to start, do we, do we immediately go with like, do they want to start with a CBD cannabinoid or do they want to start with like a THC where we're going to get high immediately, or that's, I think like sometimes people are either one way or the other. They're like, I don't want it to get me high at all. I just want the relief and the things I need from it. Or they're like, I I really want to get high from this. So let's It 100% depends on the person and what their like underlying symptoms are and what their diagnosis is and their level of comfortability and what happened before when they use cannabis is a big thing. And so here's why healthcare cannabis nurses. And and so I kind of started talking about it, but the 
folks who've been kind of the most unfriendly to me Mm. has been the cannabis industry. Um, I assumed that being as a medical professional, you're saying, Oh, interesting. Um, So how many cannabis nurses are there in the United States? Um, In our associations, there's two associations and then two additional ones with physicians. So there's the uh, American Cannabis Nurses Association. So if you're a nurse, join them, um, worth every penny. Um, The second is the Cannabis Nurse Network, join them, also worth every penny. And then there's the Society of Cannabis Clinicians, also great. That's nurses, physicians, respiratory therapists, physical therapists. Uh, And then there's one by a physician out of Harvard. I haven't jumped into that yet. The reason why is kind of my own pride in nursing is um, I get a vibe that it isn't friendly to nursing. I feel like there are some physicians that don't believe nurses should be in this space. And I you know, doctorate of nursing practice candidate eventually is like, absolutely not. This is 100% where nurses and nurse practitioner belong. Um, So I haven't, I haven't jumped there yet. As a patient and advocate and a consultant, I completely agree because the nurse is always the gateway the person you end up talking to more than your doctor. I, I, you know, you get like five minutes with your doctor, but you're in there with the nurse, like the whole time. A long time. You know? And uh, what makes nurses different from medicine is we look at the whole patient and we do assessments and education. And what is cannabis is assessments, education, and dosing, titration, and teaching patients how to do this at home themselves and do it safely. So it's yeah. like very nursing centric. Um, and so the cannabis industry, I, I assumed that there's such a limited amount of us that they would be dying for people like me and you know the physician I work with and other nurses to like legitim- make everything legitimate. Yeah. Uh, and what I found is no, um, they do not want to spend that time of money. Um, there's a push more for marketing and, and pushing products with kind of false claims and essentially oh, making yeah. a sale as fast as possible, selling as much as possible. It's oh, yeah. not about the patient. It's not even about the adult recreational it's user. It's not even about the product. Not oh, even gosh. about the product. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was shocked. Um, it is slowly changing and I have to, there are industries that once they, companies where once they're like, wait, what, there's a cannabis nurse, then they're a lot more interested. And then there are other companies who may do it for their bottom line. Um, but there's one company that I reached out to where I was like, I would love a partnership. I don't know if you know this, but, um, we recommend your product all the time to some patients and here's the X, Y, and Z of why. So mm-hmm. maybe we should collaborate, you know, to do more because unfortunately when we were talking offline before this, I was talking about like, how does a cannabis nurse make our revenue in this very new thing yeah. um, where we're fighting essentially like a kind of forefront war. We're trying to prove to the cannabis industry that they need us and that this will grow their revenue and their profits, not decrease them because patients who stick with cannabis and have the right education from the start do not shy away also brings in more of the physicians. 
Um, so we're making headway there. We're also fighting the front on the healthcare side, trying to prove to patients and physicians that this should be one of the first things recommended for symptom control, not the last, just because mm-hmm. of its really good safety profile. Do we need more research? Yes, 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 yes. But it's relatively safe that we've fleshed out. So mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. Um, then we're trying to tell the patients themselves that they need us, even the older users who's been using this since the seventies, the sixties about why integrating a cannabis nurse can help. And then in general, just in business, why use us versus, you know, uh, a card shark, I call them, where you just see a physician, they get to know you for five seconds, boom, you get a medical card, but you have no guidance. Um, so oh, it's, it's right. interesting. The little online, like, get your card right. That's what we all do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So we can't get medical cards. I don't even, and I think cards, that was but... what was approved, I believe, too, in New York, was that now they can just, now at least your doctor can approve it for a condition any but I think it's almost any condition at this point which which I guess I don't know yeah but at the same time like you said there will be these doctors that just kind of want to just like get you out of their hair or whatever and they're not really going to guide you there's no guidance you know no yeah and that's but that's where we come in how did you formulate your website and what's it what is um acuteonchronic.com when I go, like what's the main juice? Yeah. So the main thing that we do, but there's more coming is, so we do personalized, um, personalized, you know, uh, client consulting. So what, what the heck is that? So, uh, if you book with us, you could book four or eight sessions and why is it more than one appointment? And it's because cannabis is complicated. There's no, I've tried to spit it into one appointment and that can be done, but it is with an experienced cannabis user who has like a very concise question. Um, the four appointments, what, what happens? The first appointment is an assessment. I want to know what medications you're on. Who's your physician? Can I connect with them? What's your diet? Like what happened the last time you used cannabis? What are your symptoms? What are your goals? What makes your pain worse? What makes your pain better? What makes your anxiety worse? What makes it better? So what other alternatives? Like a medical intake form, really. Very much, but yeah, we do I, spend I a lot of time a lot listening. Of those same questions, yep. but I'm wondering. So when they go in there and do that, they understand that you have that nursing capability with them. So if they are already like on a regimen, then what else do you have to offer them? Ah, very good. As the nurse, because I do work with clients in that way too, but I would refer them to you as that nurse because I'd be like, you know, I'd want them to know more about the drug interactions with their, with their medications that I wouldn't necessarily know, or even things like when you were saying, when you worked in the ICU, even some of the depth of things that you would have had to encounter there, where people would have had very specific surgical situations Mm -hmm. or things where they're like, look, you know, Green Godmother's got me on a good regimen, but I also have a few more specific medical questions. You know what I mean? And I love that too, because right, I always tell people like, I have to talk to you. This isn't, you know what I mean? Like we, we book a session. I a sesh. Don't you love it that yeah. it's like a smoke I love sesh? It. Yeah. It's, like a sesh. it's like we're gonna book a sesh. So a sesh um, with Rebecca as my so- medical cannabis nurse. Cause I would like 
I would like want you to talk if if I if you were my medical nurse, I would want you to talk to my gastroenterologist and be like, yep. look, she's ingesting this cannabis, ba ba ba, da da da, as you will. You know what I mean? But and that- how does that connect? Like I would have to do the actual medical paperwork specifically with you or so we do that assessment and why we do it there are some things you you have to fill out beforehand and why is that is because while cannabis is safe even with all the drug interactions there are still five to ten drugs and disorders that you just should not mess with cannabis with one mm-hmm. of the things that patients and physicians alike do not know nor do the dispensaries or the producers is plavix is a medication you are put on after a heart attack once they put the metal in your heart to open it back up it's called a stent uh, you take yep. plavix as an antiplatelet to keep the blood going through so it doesn't clot off. CBD in particular may decrease the circulating dose of Plavix that could cause a second clot. And we saw that in one poster presentation in August of 2020, where cannabis users were experiencing a second heart attack. Now, we need more studies to really flesh out why, my money is on that interaction because doctors didn't know patients weren't talking about it. So when I see, I ask, have you had a heart attack within the last year? Are you on Plavix? If you answer yes to those two questions, we say, we would love to help you, but we don't recommend any cannabis use at this time. Please talk to your doctor. Please come back to us after a year with the like super blessing from your doctor. And then they want to ask you about not doing cannabis though. They still need you to consult with them about not doing it. They're like, but I already, I already smoke all day. What do you You know. And so then we counsel them on like what the interaction is and like we give them the information. Um, So once we do that intake, there is a therapeutic kind of thing to the nurse patient relationship. This has been studied in literature. What heals people? Part of it is just listening to people talk about what's bothering them. Granted, more studies are needed on that too. So, but that's an important step. Nurses do, yes. yes. You know, I do. It's is it sad to say that like there are like certain hospitals. I'm like, oh, I I love that hospital because the nurses up there. If you get up on the floor, they're just oh, and they are. I mean, I love that. You know. So, um, in between the first appointment and the second appointment, what we do then, um, and I work with a couple nurses and we're hiring a couple more. So if you are a nurse and you're listening to that, call us, like we're hiring, um, is we do a complete global literature review. So we look at what the recent research says about what you told us about. We look up your drug interactions. We ping your doctor. Um, We look at what our other clients with a similar diagnosis, what has helped them. It's called practice-based, I'm sorry, practice-based evidence. What's Mm -hmm. typically used is evidence-based practice, but we don't have that yet in cannabis. It takes Mm -hmm. about 20 years to compile. So we have to Mm -hmm. use what we use. We're compiling it. Nurses use this all the time. And again, safe substance, we keep you, I'm very conservative in how I do my work and how we teach our nurses how to do their work. Like we are careful. Um, So then what we do is once we go through this research and we do all of this work, we make a nursing care plan. 
but specific to you, the patient, and we use the nursing process. So the nursing process, nurses use in nursing school. If you are a nurse, you're trembling with fear hearing the word So it's almost like what a doctor would really do for you. And then, so do you speak now when, when I give you the go ahead and I say, yes, I want you to talk to my doctor. Do you, do you speak directly or is this like an emailing and that whatever it is situation? Every physician's different. Typically we fax um, over (laughs) all of our things. Sometimes it's a fax and a call, but um, a nursing care plan, and this is really how we can do our work as nurses. So nursing care plan, what makes us very different from physicians is we give you a nursing diagnosis. So if you come to us with chronic pain uh, related to um, inflammatory bowel disease, Mm -hmm. what I would write is very nursey. I would say acute on chronic pain uh, related to um, chronic illness as evidenced by symptom, symptom, symptom. That's very nursey. Doctors do not speak in that language. Our second thing we tell you is your patient goals. Again, doctors really don't do this. Then we do nursing interventions. And this is where the cannabis part comes in. So nursing interventions, we do list somewhere between three and five products that the patient can use. And then we give ranges of what would be safe to try. And here's where it differs a lot from medicine. One, we give you options. And we say you could use one product, you could use all the products, or you could choose. But it's patient autonomy. I'm not going to tell you what to start, and I'm not going to tell you what to start it at. But you could ask me questions, and I could give you feedback. Right. So what's good about this is... um, it gives back the patient autonomy. In traditional prescription Western-based medicine, um, patients do not have autonomy over what their regimen is, none. Right, uh, right. We teach you the rhyme and reason as to why we recommended what we did um, and uh, the safe range to do it where you won't feel uncomfortable side effects, but you have a shot at not having pain. Um, and we give you that range and then teach you the patient how to self-titrate. So we teach you if this works, then do this. Or if this happens, right. do this. Now um, you So I describe it as like drinking. a Sherpa. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this because then it gives people options. And, pe- and this is what I like to recommend people too, is I, I say, you, you know, you really need to try a variety. This is not something where you could get even, you know, if somebody's, you know, selling the CBD or whatever they're doing, it's not going to work. If they're even saying it works for them, it's not maybe even not going to even work at all for you. You know what I mean? Right. Like you need to try to find a method, um, a, like not only a method, but like also, you know, the way that the product is made and how that is going to affect you. And like yes. you said, your prior history, your diet, all of that stuff is definitely going to affect you. Yeah. Um, and when we recommend products, that's the other part because, you know, MCT oil in some people is a nightmare. Mm. Other people, it helps. So we're looking at products, you know, if you're allergic to, a certain dye, we double check the product. We look at the third-party lab reports. Yeah. To see, like, is this a good product or is it filled with aspergillus, you know, which yeah. is a normal fungus for you and I, well, I could take aspergillus and be fine. You probably, stomach you know, upset. sounds like something that's exactly. going to upset my stomach. I can already tell. I already it's not good for many people. Yeah. The aspergum, the guar gum. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. Thickeners, people don't realize it. Fake sugars. So, okay. Yep. 
so we look at that and then um, the other column in the plan is our rationale. So we explain the literature we looked up to get to those conclusions, why we said what we said, and then we do patient safety education. So things that are typically included is don't change any pharmaceuticals on your own. That's your doctor. Don't ask me right. to change pharmaceuticals. I'm not a doctor. I can't advise you right. Keep doing whatever your physician said, um, but know that I'm going to talk to them if they have any questions. And then especially for people who are a fall risk, you know, we assess their fall risk um, and we base some recommendations off of that and what to do to protect people. What do you do if you feel dizzy? What to do if you uh, are too anxious and you've overconsumed, yes. you know, the how to stay safe in yep. your, mm-hmm. yeah. So all of those things, which is very, very much nursing. So what I love about this work, um, is it is literally very perfect for nursing. Um, and I never knew that the nursing process could fit so well into cannabis, but it actually works exceedingly well, um, because it gives us I the I love how, um, you know, just, you get in there. It's almost like I, I would feel so comfortable because I'd be like, someone's really paying attention to me. It's almost like when you have like a caseworker, you're like, no, this person knows my case. We're knowing what we're doing fully because like we were talking about earlier where, you know, you had to hide it. You couldn't yeah. fully even tell them like, look, I consume cannabis in this much in a day. And how is this going to affect, you know, today I have to get a freaking colonoscopy and whatever and this and that you know what I mean and it's like wink wink like maybe the anesthesiologist if you can like whisper it in but like you're just like always feeling so uncomfortable so that's so amazing that there are people like you Rebecca that are out there doing this work for us um So when you're saying that you were drinking your coffee, I want to go back to the coffee. Yes, my coffee. Clearly. I I was like, all right, so tell me more about this coffee with the CBG and the CBD, you said, combination. So you're now, do you find that you're medicating for your, um, because you have, you know, chronic illness uh, situations from your um, car accident and things like that. And that's what you're like in your coffee specifically, how does the C like the CBG and the CBD work for that for you? Yeah. Um, so what's cool about working for myself now is I don't really have to worry, um, about being drug tested. I am in school, so I do still get drug tested, which I'm never Mm -hmm. happy about. Um, I talked to my neurologist at length once I quit hospital work. And, um, the only thing that worked for my migraines was opioids, but who wants to be on opioids every time they have a migraine? I do not give too many small children and I have a business and and education to get. Like I don't have time to be snoozy from opioids. Um, and we talked at length and, um, he also agreed that he's seen cannabis work. I was like, I also feel the recreational market also makes my migraines, you know, it helps me sleep. I don't have that like opioid hangover in the morning. And like, if I'm typing emails, reading a book, like I could microdose, get rid of my headache, not be high and have a good outcome. Um, And he said, he's seeing the same thing, you know, with Parkinson's migraine. So he wrote me for my medical card. Thank you. Um, Mm. And so when I get a migraine now, um, that's, that's what I do. Um, So typically for my- Do you personally prefer- 
like a CBD plus another cannabinoid? And then do you partake in like a THC with that? So the entourage effect is a beautiful thing. Um, I describe it as so cannabis. So imagine like a five leaf happy plant Um, within that plant. You have various combinations of 142 therapeutic molecules, cannabinoids. So you have a lot of flashcards, a lot of flashcards. So I'm going to have to order another package of flashcards (laughs) then. All right. Um, don't worry. We only have like 10 to 20 actually commercially available, Um, but so far far, they all do kind of special things, but what's really special. And we see this in CBD and THC is they work really well together in our cells and our neurotransmitters and our endocannabinoid, you know, CB1 and CB2, um, in our, in our organs, like the more cannabinoids that come to the party. So THC alone does not work as well with THC in combination with CBD. Even better when you add in our new cannabinoid that's about to become very famous, CBG. Add in some CBDA, some THCA, and you have a really good combination. So the Mm -hmm. more cannabinoids do, do make your cells you know, it, it, you get a better therapeutic effect and less side the effects. The caffeine so, in that combination with the coffee definitely helps. I don't know if it's a decaf coffee or not, but I find also as a woman, I think caffeine and a cannabinoid is a kind of like a very magical combination in our day sometimes when you need that extra caffeine. Um, because even if you're like not too knowledgeable about a sativa or an indica and one's going to make me maybe fall asleep or get tired or relax more. And then one's going to maybe make me feel like I can get some work done and be awake in in my day. Even if you don't know too much about that, you're like, I can have a cup of coffee and smoke a joint. And women don't even realize that that's like just such a magical combination in and of itself then you're going to go ahead and add, like, let's say, right, you have a migraine. So we're going to add the CBD, the CBG yes. so that we and can actually get functioning with that, my, with our uh, conditions. Exactly. So my, my concoction today, why, why CBD and CBG? Yeah. So fun study came out and this is what's going to help the industry as a whole, my work, your work, everyone's work. Uh, University of Oregon did a study um, and it showed in the laboratory, so early study, we need a lot more research to use this preventatively or therapeutically, essentially stopped COVID from entering human cells. CBG Um, specifically, you're saying? CBGA and CBDA specifically stopped it. Those two things are hard to find on the market though. So what is available is CBG and CBD. Not many companies do this combo. Um, Miyakana, isolations, right? Mm-hmm. In my area, um, they are making. I believe it's either a tincture or an RSO um, that does both. So, um, and here's here's why. So I say we do not have the scientific proof yet that this will work. Is it a cure for COVID? No, not yet. It can it prevent COVID? No, not yet. Is there a chance that it could do both of those things? Maybe, and we need lots more studies to find out. But in the interim, 
it's safe, especially CBD and CBG. In the study itself, the keywords that made me excited beyond anything else is these mm-hmm. substances are known to be safe in humans. Like yes. that was printed in a paper, a scientific paper. Yes. And now <laughs> I have seen the meme though, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, my weed prevented my COVID. You know what I mean? Cause I'd be out here puffing my yeah. mouth. Well, you know what? You know, and so, you know, like we, uh, like I said, we're compiling it, I guess, compile that in the study then. We're in the study then. We're going to put it. So is that study, it doesn't give me hope. 100%. Should you use CBD and CBG? Can it help? Maybe. Is it harmful to try? No, not unless you have a drug interaction. So talk to a cannabis clinician first. (laughs) Um, But um, talk to I Rebecca recently first. talked to us. Well, if we, we want recently... to talk to you, we can go to your uh, website, yes. acuteonchronic.com. Acuteonchronic.com. Um, if you forget that name, if you put acute on chronic Rebecca Cannabis Nurse, if you put in Cannabis Nurse Illinois, Cannabis Nurse Chicago, Acute on Chronic, you will find us. Um, Am I, but, but what if I'm not in Chicago or Illinois? I can still message you on your website and stuff too, right? You can, yes. Okay. Um, we take clients in all 50 states. Um, we do, you know, places that are not yet legal. Remember, hemp is legal in all 50 states. So um, we are restricted by that. So if you live in Idaho, you know, we can't help you with anything THC based, but we can certainly help you choose what regimen of legal hemp to use. And do not discount if you are in an illegal state, do not discount that hemp market. The hemp market has tons of therapeutic use and potential just the same as the dispensary. I, you know, even if you get people like, you know, that old school mentality thing and, and they don't really even know. And then they just maybe even see some like CBD gummies at the gas station, which, you know, listen, probably are not the best, but at the same time, if it just even opens up their mind and idea, and maybe even if the whole bag was just like one milligram, you know what I mean? Like even if it did give them like a placebo about it, just to open their mind and be like, yeah, I bought some of those cannabis gummies you know and they they at least you know have that um available to them in any state which is great yeah and what I say you know regarding you know I had COVID you know I got it from my family I felt horrible yes I was hospitalized so I was taking CBD and CBG the whole time so clearly we need more studies but what right. I will say is regarding all these studies that we see in Canada you're like in the hospital like taking notes <laughs> you're like I'm being my you're like I'm uh, studying yes. my own you're like yes. clearly I'm the only one paying attention this right now. <laughs> but I'm studying. Um, so what I tell people when they're like, I heard a study that, you know, cannabis and Crohn's disease can do X, Y, Z. What I say is like, keep doing what you're doing with your physician. You know, don't abandon the standard of care. Absolutely not yet. However, like integrating cannabis into all these things, like so long as your drug interactions are fine and you're doing it in a safe way, you're not over consuming THC, you don't have an allergy, you know, talk to your physician, talk to your physician, talk to your physician. But cannabis is very, very safe. We have, that's really what we've proven when they use in conjunction. um, You know, the alternative uh, therapies, like when your doctor's like, well, you know, you should go. You, you should try acupuncture, but they're not like you're, you know, 
it's probably not covered or, you know, yeah. it's like, I got to pay for my massage therapist, even though I know it's going to help me, I have to do it. You know what I mean? So it's almost like as much as it really should be 100% part of our, you know, when we go to the doctor, they should say, look, I've got this cannabis nurse here. I've got this massage yeah. therapist here. It should all be in that one building. All, yes. It's not, but not yet. <laughs> out there that yeah. like, you know, and, and I love that you have it on your website and you're available to everybody because that's, that's what we need. You know, I like to work so personally with people. So I'm not there yet, but I'm like so inspired, like, you know, and I love knowing that I personally can connect with people like you and I can also refer people to you and like just knowing that there are more of us out there who have had our journeys being like, we were sick, we've been in, you know, such horrible situations that we've had to medicate all these time with secretly. Now I'm out here, you know, I've, you know, pulled myself from, you know, a global illness here at this point, and we're still chugging on this train. I call it the like cannabis train, like chugga chugga we're on it because I feel like every day when I wake up doing even just recording this podcast with you, it's like, this is what inspires me to keep going, knowing that Same. you're excited to do this for, yeah. for people and be here with me. It's like amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a part of the Chronically Ill podcast with me. I'm so excited to release this episode. Ah, me too. And then I just want to say, you know, yes. you any think- parting words. Yes. So-, so juicy and good. I'm going to have to bring you back for some extra. I would love to. So I can, yeah. Can talk and talk and talk and talk. I know. Talk. Me too. Um, what to leave you with? So, um, if you're like, well, I'm not a patient yet, or I don't need nursing services, how can you help destigmatize and make this a legitimate form of nursing and more infused in medicine and cannabis? What to do? If you own a cannabis company, we are happy to educate your staff uh, on the latest research. We know policy, we know the science. We're happy to educate on bud tender training, patient yeah. wellness training, um, you know, consulting for what products people are buying, what different demographics want. Um, we're always happy to do that work to kind of keep our mission going. And then um, speaking engagements, podcasts like this, like my yes. goal, the goal of my my nurses, um, it all for all of us is to take this very mainstream, to grow research, to take away stigma, make legalization happen. And then the social equity component is something that cannot be denied. You know, we need more um, BIPOC owned everything in this industry. Yes. We need more women I owned and there's a chance here. Supporting that's why I love supporting all the women that I support, all the BIPOC companies that I support. And yeah. then knowing that it's kind of funny as much as I've tried, all the people that I've done recordings podcasts so far are women. Yeah. I always yes. say this is a female plant. This is our yes. industry. This is our plant. This is our industry. I'm yeah. sorry. It's just like the way that mother nature wanted it to be, you know, and with super cool, cook, do it. You, plug, um, it, plug it on the way 
Plug us on the way out, Rebecca. Yes. I can't wait till you guys get your whole operation going more because then I can be on your podcast. I can't you. wait. And we yes. can do events together and you got to come to New York and I'll get out to yes. Chicago eventually. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, is this industry was built upon, um, you know, it was built upon BIPOC communities taking risks that other people weren't taking, you know, even in the 20s and 30s, you know, indigenous people, BIPOC communities were using cannabis. Um, this industry, you know, the first kind of corporate CEOs were women. The first grassroots people were women. Um, the LGBTQIA community has had a huge, huge, huge part in making cannabis legal. It was with the Marinol studies and HIV. Um, they, that community yes. does not get enough credit for what they've given to cannabis. And then, um, the, you know, um, anybody with a chronic illness, like this industry is also built upon what they have risked and their work um, and their advocacy. So that's what's cool about the cannabis industry is it kind of gives all of us like non cisgendered males like yeah. a shot at really building something and like having our kind of come up so yeah. sorry no, cisgendered we, we really males, are but... we really are running this train so it's kind of like jump on the train or get out of the way because it's like chugging along you know what yeah. I mean yeah Exactly. So, so I'm excited. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm um, so excited to get this out. And I um, just want to say, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Chronically Ill podcast. I am Angelina Rose, your green godmother. I've been speaking with Rebecca Abraham of acuteonchronic.com. And I will see you next time. Say hi, you guys. Thank you.